0: Hey there, Jeff Walker here, one of the hosts of System Catalyst. If you've listened to previous episodes, you know our podcast is all about working together. So today, we're excited to practice what we preach by collaborating with an organization called Collective Impact Forum. They're a network of community members, organizations, and institutions whose goal is to advance equity through collaboration. Oh, and guess what? They've got their own podcast, also named Collective Impact Forum. We believe you'll find it inspiring, so we thought... Why not share one of their episodes with you today? In this one, we got Courtney W. Robertson, the Programs and Partnerships Director at Collective Impact Forum, having a chat with Anthony Smith, Executive Director of Cities United. Cities United is an organization on a mission to team up with cities and communities to tackle gun violence. In this conversation, they share inspiration, resources, and stories about what it means to collaborate, especially with the government. If you believe like we do, that we have a better chance of making a difference together, I'm sure you'll love it. To explore more episodes and stay connected with the Collective Impact Forum, you can find all the details in our show notes. Are you ready to dive in? Let's get started.
1: Welcome to the Collective Impact Forum podcast. My name is Courtney W. Robertson, Director of Programs and Partnerships with the Collective Impact Forum, and I'm your host, this episode features a conversation about partnering with city governments with Anthony Smith, Executive Director at Cities United based in Louisville, Kentucky. Anthony, thank you for being with us today. Uh, and if you could just start by introducing yourself, your work, uh, and the work of Cities United.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me, Courtney. It's really excited to be with you all and talk about something that's near and dear to my heart, right? Because I think cities have the capacity to make a lot of things change. It's just really how we partner and how we uh, move with them, I think is key and important. So again, Anthony Smith, Executive Director with Cities United. Cities United has been around since 2011, was founded under the leadership of Mayor Nutter, former mayor of Philadelphia, Mayor Landrew, former mayor of uh, New Orleans, uh, Dr. William C. Bell, Who's the president, uh CEO of the Casey Family programs, and then also Sean Dove, who uh ran the campaign for black male achievement at the time. Really as a space, uh, and, and this is about me and the work at the same time because sometimes it's hard to separate uh when you're working on purpose and when you're doing the work that we do every day. Uh, it becomes uh you are a part of it even before you get in the leads and the roads that you're in. So uh, they have been putting this together. And, and then the conversation between Dr. Bell and Mayor Nutter really started around, uh, Mayor Nutter was really concerned about the number of young people he was losing to gun violence in his community uh, and, and not having a place where he could talk to other mayors and elected officials about this issue. Uh, so that's how Cities United was born and birthed. They brought in Mayor Landrieu, uh Sean Dove, and then also our afraid that the National League of Cities should really run this thing as an initiative. Um, My first encounter with uh, Cities United was when I was working for Mayor Fisher in Louisville, helping him open up his office for safe and healthy neighborhoods, which focused in on reducing community violence and uh, homicides and shootings. Uh, And one of the first things I did when I took that job was to sign up for Cities United because Mayor Nutter and Landry were asking more and more people to sign up. So I got I got involved with Cities United as I was working for city government in Louisville, which was my first city government job ever. Uh, uh, So it was a new experience for me going from doing community organizing, youth development work and youth engagement work to really being inside of a system, uh, a city system that's a little bit harder to navigate and a little bit more difficult to process and move. But my belief is that cities are still places and city government are places where you can get things done. And that if you can help cities understand the right infrastructure and the right uh, partnerships then they can do a whole lot of good things right as long as they stay in their lane but partner with folks who can do other work right so cities united does that we work with cities across the country helping them develop what we uh, call comprehensive public safety plans that will not only help them reduce and interrupt the violence in their communities but also create better outcomes for those who are most impacted by community violence. And, and then when we look at it across the country, that's young black men and boys and their families and their communities. So that's where we got to spend our investment in our time. So that's of Cities United in a nutshell. That's me, this is my purpose work. This is the work I would be doing, uh, never say for free anymore because we all need to get paid and eat. Uh, but this is the work that I would uh, choose to do if I had the opportunity to. I've just been blessed to be able to find my way in it at different levels uh, just because of the work that I've done at the other places. So again, excited to have this conversation and talk about this work. uh, That's both personal and professional, uh, but I think more personal than it is professional.
1: So. I appreciate that, Anthony, and I receive your saying of working on purpose. Um, A lot of times we talk about people either walking in their purpose, or like finding their purpose, but like working on purpose is super powerful. So thank you for sharing that. Um, and Anthony, you started touching on this a bit, but uh, curious to know who are city uh, Cities United, like partners within a city. So what do those partnerships look like, how they structured? structured, um, and how do you connect the dots across the partnerships?
2: Yeah. So thank you for that. Right. Uh, uh, we go in initially through mayor's office, or other local elected officials who are Uh, They're usually the ones who invite us in uh, and really uh, who we want to work with, because part of this for us is helping cities not only connect and work better with community, but also better organize internally, right? Because there's, as as you know, a lot of us know, folks who are listening to this uh, podcast understand that there's so many things that are happening in cities that are so disconnected and silos. So that's one thing we got to do is let's get internally and figure out how we focus on that. So one of our partners is city government, county governments, and folks who are leading the effort on behalf of their mayor or on behalf of their county commissioners. Uh, So that's a partner of ours. We also partner with community-based organizations who are not only doing the outreach work and and the intervention work, but community-based partners who are also providing the wraparound services to this population of young people or people who are most at risk. Uh, and then uh, another key uh, partner for us on the ground are young leaders, especially young black leaders ages 18 to 24, who are also thinking about this issue around, say, public safety, who are also working uh, either organizing, either protesting, whatever they're doing to really say we need to see something different. We believe their voices need to be front and center and that they need to be leading and helping to guide the work along the way. So we really come in and really look at our one we have mayors think about who their partners need to be and how they pull them to the table but then two we also got to make our own partnerships on the ground so that as we build our workout we just don't have one partner to rely on we have multiple partners to really spend time with and work with right so we have a we have a, a this this ideal and this metrics around making sure that as a city builds out its table of folks that it's planning with and working with that all of those key stakeholders are already at the table and helping to move the work forward, right? So go in usually through through the city or county, uh, but quickly make sure that we have relationships with other folks on the ground, because this is a collective uh, effort and this is a core, you gotta be coordinated and and really, uh, sometimes cities don't know who to bring to the table, so we gotta help them understand who they need to bring to the table. Uh, uh, And our team of folks that we work with at Cities United, are all about relationships, right? So we believe relationships are the thing that really helps work move. Uh, So we've gotta have
1: those strong relationships uh, with multiple stakeholders on the ground, not just with the city government. Gotcha. And I imagine that that of course varies based on the city, right? Like some cities may be further along in who they're engaging as stakeholders and others to your point, have absolutely no
2: idea right who, who we need <laughs> to be engaging? Uh, and some folks to your point who are farther along still have missing pieces right so part of what we get to do is help assess that because again if you don't have young people if you don't have the people who have been directly impacted by gun violence at the table you don't have their families at the table uh you don't have the community-based partners who are working in those neighborhoods at the table you're missing voices so there's still some assessment to do. I think, you know, when we think about big tables, we usually go to systems folks first, and we got to get away from that conversation and say, okay, yeah, these folks who provide services and move systems matter, but they also need to be at the table with those who are directly impacted by this issue.
1: Absolutely, our context experts, right? That's um, how we like to think about it. Now, I appreciate that. and and. and Touching on this, it's a good, I think, lead into the next question. So in the collective impact approach, um, we have sort of these factors, right? That we really um, push folks to consider, right? Before, and, and particularly like as they're thinking about taking on this approach to collaboration. So things such as, you know, having champions in the work, having some resources dedicated to jumpstart the work, having a sense of urgency, right? Around an issue in your instance, gun violence, which we know there's a lot of urgency around that. Um, and then sort of this like foundation for collaboration and this trust, right? Are some of those key factors that we ask people to think about as they start thinking about building a collaborative. Um, and I imagine like if you're coming from a space, right, where folks are either not used to collaborating or they're collaborating and it's not been effective, there's broken trust, et cetera. It can be really difficult. So thinking about, um, sort of like readiness factors, I guess, in the same sense. What are some of those readiness factors that you all look for in partnering with cities? And, and you've touched on some of this, but um, like, what what are some of those things you look for in a gov- city government partner, in those community-based organizations, et cetera, or just in, in partnerships or partners, excuse me, in general? What are you looking for in terms of readiness to work with them?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, uh, Courtney. And I think, you know, if we think about cities, right? So I'm, I'm gonna start with cities. When we go into a city, uh, is usually looking at what the political will looks like, right? So who, that that executive who runs that city, what's their political will and how are they talking about this issue, right? Whether it's the mayor, the city manager, however the city is set up, what is their, do they have a vision or do they have a thought or and are they advocating for something new around public safety? So is there, there's their political will there. Even if there's a council member or, or alderman all the person who's ready to move in the needle in an agenda, that shows that there's some political will somewhere. Somebody who's been elected for public office is having a conversation around this issue and pushing a, an agenda. So that's
1: one thing. Then also looking Anthony, at public will. Yes, I'm sorry. May I ask a quick question? So, uh-huh. with you saying they're having conversations, for you, does it matter what type of conversation they're having around gun violence? Because I oh can, yeah yeah yeah.
2: Okay, absolutely. No, 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 I appreciate that. Thanks for that clarity, right? Because it's not, uh, we gonna we need to lock everybody up, right? This is a conversation around prevention and intervention and how do we get to the root causes, right? So we want mayors who are questioning and having conversations around how we do things different, uh, because what we've done in the past is not working, right? So we got mayors who understand, hey, we have law enforcement, they have a role to play, but we also have all these other community-based partners and solutions that we can also put into place. So that's the conversation that the mayors are having that we think is important. Mayors, again, mayors, county, uh, council persons, uh, all the persons, and our city managers are saying, hey, what other opportunities and what other models can we be putting in place Uh, Also thinking about, you know, the the people, uh, they're having a different conversation about the people who are most impacted by it, right? They're not calling them criminals and thugs. They're really saying, we know we messed up as a city, right? We know the systems have failed you. Let us put together strategies and uh, opportunities for us to do better. And also, you know, the the, the leadership uh, political will is that. I'm also willing to think about creating an office that was focused on this, right? We had Offices of Violence Prevention, Office of Community Safety, the Mayor's Office of Neighborhood Safety and Engagement across the country. So people are calling them different things, but where you invest your money also shows us where, you're, that you're, where your political will and how you're using it to move an agenda forward. Uh, and then you think about public will, right? What's the public saying about this issue? And is the public gonna come to the table? Do we have public trust? Of this administration to get stuff done are they going to sit down with this and con- have a conversation with uh the elected leadership to say yeah we want to be in partnership with you on this issue uh so i think it's political will uh public will and then it's also looking at the investments that people are making on the ground and and and, and, the, and the public safety ecosystem that they're running uh lastly i'll say to you too right it's also you know, part of our struggle and part of the work we all got to do when you're working with cities is, is this just a political scheme to get reelected or am I really? So I'm just trying to manage all of these different things as we assess and look at. But a lot of times when we take mayors and the, the communities at face value, we go in and do good work and they're usually really, really engaged uh, and really like lean all the way in. Uh, but there's some places you go, man, and it's like, you know, you you're like pulling teeth. Uh, and we've got too much to do to be going into cities where we got to pull teeth, right? But if we're thinking about readiness, it really is looking at the political will, the public will, the investment. And then what is the what does the current CVI ecosystem look like? Do they have folks up and running in the community violence intervention space? Are people doing good work there? And can we add value to that conversation?
1: That's so powerful. And what I'll add to what you shared around like those... Some of those factors, at least from what I heard, right, is like the mindset piece, um, which I think goes into that public will and the, the political will to do it. But like, do folks have. The right mindset around this work and then ownership and accountability from cities, right? Like, we understand that. Yes, you may have gone out and, and committed this crime, but like, do we also have a role in this right where our systems aren't set up to be supportive. Right? So how do we rethink those systems in support of. Uh, so I just wanted to highlight those as things I also heard. And I have a question um, for you, and you you touched on it a little bit where you were like, we don't have time to do this, but I'm curious about four cities, right? Who might not necessarily, like they may be having that other conversation right around locking, you know, increased police presence, locking up zero tolerance, like those types of conversations. Four cities who may have that 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 frame of thinking around it, but are like, but we really want to work with you I guess, how do you all approach that? Because it's very different from what you just described, right? Um, how, yeah. how have you approached that? No,
2: that's, that's another good question, Courtney. And I think it's a both and, right? Because again, to get cities to see the bigger picture, you've got to work with them. You've got to be at the table. You've got to be there, right? There's a number of places where we are, where, you know, the mayor's conversation is usually when we start seeing reductions, they only talk about law enforcement. They don't talk about the other pieces of the work. Uh, but you got to continue to remind folks that this is a comprehensive strategy. Because what we're trying to do is break people's mental models right and their mindsets to say, hey, when you say public safety, it don't just mean these three things. It actually means all of this stuff. And I think even with elected officials and other folks, we've been also uh, uh, conditioned to believe public safety means just law enforcement, jails, detention centers, EMT, and things like that, right? And that's part of our public safety system, but that's the reactionary part of our system, right? And what do we, when we start thinking about public safety more upstream, it really is around affordable housing. It really is around quality work uh, with a fair pay. It really is around walkable communities and neighborhoods. It really is around making sure everybody have quality education and when you can start getting people to see that bigger picture uh you can get them there now you know we'll work with folks and we'll be in cities until we get to a place where we don't believe we can move and then with that that's the hard part right but you know i think part of this conversation that we're having is that you know sometimes the readiness is not a hundred percent there but there's some there's a there's some levels of uh hope <laughs> or light that you can see, that you wanna lean into and you wanna start doing some work, right? So you might not do a heavy like uh, uh, like all-in approach, but you stay close enough to help people start seeing and moving in a direction. Uh, but one of the things I would always say to you too, right? It's like, you know, at, in, in this work of public safety, mayors also just gotta have a balanced conversation, right? Because they too know that police are needed for some things so and a good good pop uh por- portion of their uh constituents are still asking for police right so we've not made the shift yet that we can really believe that you know we can have a smaller police force and still be safe right because police still e- equal safety for a lot of people uh so you know how do you help help mayors have a balanced conversation help them see the bigger picture and hopefully get them down the road where they can start shifting that conversation and being more holistic in it. So we do both and we would rather work with folks who get it all the time and move, but that's just not the the country that we live in right now. So we
1: gotta make do and work with what we gotta work with. Absolutely, and I appreciate you um, painting that picture because I didn't want to give, you know, the sense that like every person you, or every city rather that you all are are entering, right, has all of these things in place. And even to your point around like the safety piece, psychological safety, right? Um, We never think about that in the conversations. Um, And then essentially, like you're talking about meeting cities where they are, which is the same as meeting people where they are, you know, not everybody's in their journeys are at the same place. And so being able to like calibrate for that and and really understand like what are the needs right now and what do we need to do to get this city or to get this set of partners to the next step, essentially. Um, So I appreciate that. So you mentioned something about our cities or mayors particularly invested in this because like this is the right time. I'm, I'm going up for re election, re-election, right, and this will look great. So with that, um, we we get a lot of questions from folks in the field, and one of the things that, you know, that really prevents collaboratives, I think, from working with cities and particularly working with them in in a very like robust way, is that fear of being overridden by either a political cycle or even by egos that exist within the political space um and, and you know this that it can be a lot to juggle so what are your thoughts on that tension and how do you all navigate that
2: yeah i think that's why for us uh not i think that's why it's important for us to make sure that we have a community-based partner who is co-convening with the city who's a partner with the city uh not only a convenient partner but an accountability partner uh and one of the things courtney as we do our work we hope every city is because our goal is to move all these cities to having a comprehensive written public safety plan, right? A plan that will guide the work for the next five to 10 years. And this plan is in partnership with the city community and all of the folks who want to see something different when it comes to public safety or when it comes to homicides and shooting reductions, right? So we believe these plans should guide the work for the next 10, five to 10 years. And those plans are the plans that will outlive any leadership, not just the mayor leadership or your city manager leadership, but also the community-based partners' leadership too. Because as we go into this work, we just got to be real clear that transition is going to happen. Uh, the city priorities might shift. But if we have a clear document that has supported by enough people who will hold everybody accountable to it, then you have a better you have a better you have better chance of having better outcomes right so the way we try to set the plans up in cities is like we come in and say hey mayor, you need to have an executive team of other community-based leaders that you meet with quarterly right so a mayor would have a table where the superintendent is at, all of your uh, prosecutors are there, all of your defenses attorneys, your uh, heads of uh, corporations, heads of foundations and all of these folks are coming to the table. Thinking about how we reduce homicides and shootings in our communities, but more importantly, how do we create better outcomes for those who are most impacted by it? There's another table of folks that you bring together who's like your uh, action table, your table who is doing the coordination work. These are the folks who are making sure stuff is getting done. I was very cussing on your podcast. So I caught myself. Uh, these are the folks who are making sure we're getting stuff done. And then you also bring in other folks to help with like we we think about what we call work groups. And the work groups are folks who you bring together to really help you identify your goals, your desired outcomes. And then all of that goes into a plan. And if you have all these people at the table, all these people are invested in this plan and they don't care which mayor is in the office, they just want this plan to work, right? Because we've spent all of this time putting it together Now we're ready to implement it. So these plans and these reports should be the thing that keeps everybody moving, right? And what we also say, these plans are living documents so we want you evaluating these things twice a year annually however you want to do it making updates but you continue to have public conversations around what this plan is doing who's doing work what the outcomes are going so for us that's the thought for us is that to get beyond transition and to get beyond political whims and political uh uh processes that we can put this plan together and this plan is then something that's owned by everybody, uh, and we continue to move that plan in partnership with the community and the city as a whole.
1: Got you. so it sounds like build enough both demand and investment in the plan to where folks will be scared to touch it almost like this is the work because it's being demanded by the people. Absolutely, absolutely.
2: And, so, and you can and, check out. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, we got friends in San Jose, and uh, I think it's San Jose. They've had their plan, game reduction plan in operation for like 30 years. Have been through all these mayoral changes, but it's still, they update it, they keep it up. But every mayor who's come in has adopted that as their plan. Because just what you said, Courtney, it's it's a demand for it. And it's supported by all these folks who have invested a lot of time and energy and they see the outcomes from it. So it's working, right? So why would you change something that's
1: working? Yeah, and that's that's the thing, right? Like outcomes, we're actually seeing results from what's happening. So Anthony, sort of a follow-up to that. Are there cities or what cities where you've seen, I guess, sort of going a step beyond, like we have this plan and people really wanna be invested in it. Have you seen cities where like, I don't know, the plan has been really written into policy or something like, like it's been codified with the city or county government. Have there been examples of that?
2: Yeah, I think when you see examples of that, that's when you start getting uh, offices like the Office of Violence Prevention and Offices of Community Safety, like written into law where this office is here, it's gonna get this kind of budget. Uh, I think one of the things we've gotta do better, just to your question, is even giving people a policy and agenda to say, okay, this is what policy looks like. So I think right now we're seeing it more in forms of uh, uh, cities are creating these offices and hiring directors and putting staffs and giving them a budget. Uh, you also see it in policy when we think about the amount of resources that they add to the budget item, right? So it has its own line item when we start talking about community violence intervention. Folks are saying, hey, we're going to set aside money to do this. I think about Newark, you know, uh, Mayor Baraka there uh, has an office that was uh, uh, that they got through law, gave it resources. But he also said, you know, we're going to take a percentage of our police budget, give it to this group. Uh, they were also going to take one of the divisions, like headquarters, and give them this for the uh, office for neighborhood safety. Same thing here. I'm in Atlanta today. Atlanta uh, put it in law that they were going to open up an office of violence prevention. They had a director. They just hired a new director. So those things are harder to get pushed away when you have it written in law and policy. To your point, uh, so I think as we can st- continue to see more and more of that this is how these things become part of our everyday conversation. Uh, but those are the ways that I've seen it so far in policy, the office, a budget for the office, but then also, uh, if you think about Philadelphia, I think part of their thing too, is they got it in the, they've been giving out grant money, uh significant amount of money through the city to community-based organizations and trying to figure out what that all looks like, right? So there's a lot of cities moving in different ways. Oh, I would also say to you oakland actually has a tax that they're voting on again this year and that tax takes uh resources to make sure that their office of violence prevention have the resources that it needs right so those are the ways that we've seen some policy but i think there's other things that we can add to that conversation as well
1: this is so so cool and refreshing to hear too um because as we think about systems change right like in its totality a huge part of that is around resource flow right and Policies that protect the work that's happening, Um, even with a lot of, you know, the anti dei policies and things and racial equity policies that have been coming down the pipeline. Like, it's even more critical now to get a lot of this work codified so that you can see it sustained. So it's really good to hear that that you have cities who are thinking. It sounds like creatively about how they might do that. Um, And there's a, you know. A variety of ways to approach it, right? Like to your point around having someone in a position or having an entire office established or rethinking how we allocate resources or generate revenue to fund the work that's happening. So um, hopefully folks are taking notes as they're listening. Much more
2: work to do, but those are just a couple of examples, but yeah, you're right. We're moving,
1: we're moving, but there's more work to do. Absolutely. Um, So, and and I'm going to ask this question just to see if something different comes, but I'm curious about what learnings have stood out for you in the work um, and particularly in collaborating and working with cities and i'm curious also like what things do you think about now or do different now versus when you first started out in this work as a result of that like some of the learnings
2: yes i think yeah and uh, lots of learnings over the last eight years of, of leading cities united and partnering with cities uh, I think one of the big learnings is that, you know, uh, mayors and cities got to have skin in the game, right? So you can come to the table and have all of the resources and say, we can do this, but it it it, it it's helpful when they have skin in the game to keep them more engaged and keep them more uh, accountable, right? Because uh, there's a different level of accountability when they're skin in the game. Uh, and that skin in the game can look many different ways, right? It don't have to all be financial, right? It can be, I signed this pledge. I've done this MOU. I made a public announcement, right? So the skin in the game comes in multiple ways, but it's got to be there. The skin in the game could be I open up an office and I hire this person, right? So I'm committed to it. I might not as the as the as the executive get to talk about it every day, but I have put in place this, this infrastructure to make it work. So that matters. Uh, even with the best political will from a mayor, if they don't have the right support around them, it's not going to matter right, if they're if they, uh, ready to move, but they just don't have the capacity and the support. So it, it matters that they're skinning the game. I think it also, you know, we've learned that it matters to enter a city or think about entering a city and being real clear around what the election cycle looks like, right? We got to pay more attention to an election cycle because uh, if I'm freshly in and, I, and I'm doing this work, I got three years to run before I got to run again, right? So I got these three years where I can really put my head down and do work. If I come to Cities United or Cities United comes in my city and I'm up for re-election this year, then I'm distracted, right? And I gotta move and run. So paying attention to the election cycle matters. Uh, I think also what matters for us and what we've learned is that we've gotta stick to who our core stakeholders are. We can't provide coaching and capacity and resources to everybody in the city. So who are the ones that we can connect to that has the biggest reach, right? Who are the ones that we can really partner with who can help us move this agenda? Uh, because we're not on the ground 24-7, right? We're here, we talk to you weekly, monthly, depending on how connected you are to us. Uh, but having a, a, do our assessment of who's who matters and, and how we connect to them on the ground, uh, uh, but not trying to be everything to everybody uh, as, a, as a key piece of learning for us. Uh, well, you know, we learned it, and then you know this, right? Every city you go in, there's distrust uh, of who you are and what you bring to the table. Uh, so we spend a lot of time alleviating that distrust, but it's gonna happen in every city. So we learned that we just not going to be accepted in any city we walk into. There's some relationships and learnings of us that people need for them to feel comfortable with us, helping them think about this issue, right? Because every city we go into, somebody's gonna say hey we're not like the rest of the cities in the country we're different right and every city is (laughs) special but every city has the same people doing the same work uh you're gonna get the same set of people They might look different talk different but uh folks who care deeply about this work i think lastly right we we've learned that uh we've gotta have a true ideal of what this work costs for us to really get it done right, right? We've gotta be able to take time uh, and assess and put the right number or a number that's close enough for cities to understand that this is gonna cost, right? We're not saying that this is not gonna cost you, but we can't keep underselling this work like it doesn't cost a lot of time and energy and, and capacity to get it done. So making sure that we don't undersell ourselves are the work on the ground so that folks can get the true resources they need to get the work done. So those would be some of the quick
1: learnings. Well, I appreciate those. And around this this piece around costs, because we do get a lot of questions, particularly around like just garnering money to, to, to do the work, right? Like how do you fundraise? How do we get grants, et cetera, to do the work? How do you support cities in thinking about or just like those collaborators in general within the cities to think about costs around the work? Yeah, uh, so there's a number of ways that we help folks think about the cost,
2: right? So one, we want folks to be really targeted and specific about those who are most at risk, right? So when we're asking folks to think about the work, we're asking them to think about a specific population. Uh, and in most it is just it's about one to 2% of the population that drives all the community violence, right? uh and if you can get to this one percent get them the right resources and move them then you can start really seeing a reduction in your balance but also better outcomes for that population right uh so a couple of places that we look to when we help people start thinking about it, it's like what's your number people always say what's going to cost one how many people are we talked about and then two what is it going to cost us to engage them uh and we uh, along with our partners over at the uh the the collective the hobby and then uh the National Institute for Criminal Justice Reform. We're a part of this national coalition called uh, the Coalition to Advance Public Safety. Uh, we created uh and with our best estimates and guesses the methodology behind it, uh, what we call the CVI ecosystem website, where folks can go to CBI uh ecosystem.org, I think is what it is. Uh you can go on there and we took the 50 uh cities who are experiencing the most violence and put their their numbers in and came up with what their estimated cost would be. Uh, and when you break it down, uh, there's a number of different costs. And there, one, how much does it cost us to provide programming for that small set of population that we're talking about, right? Uh, depending on your city, you can spend anywhere between twenty five dollars and $45,000 on programming for those folks, right? Then you got to think about the staffing that it takes to operate them. Then you got to think about supervisor that it takes to manage the staff who we have out doing the work. You got to think about what it costs the city to have an office and a, and a team inside. You got to think about what the training and the uh, uh, support that it's going to take to make sure that that team has what they need. Uh, but then also what is it going to cost for the wraparound services for folks and stuff like that, right? So we start with just that baseline, that 25 to 30, $45,000 a year but then you got to start adding other costs in, right? So we don't want to give people a small price, and we also don't want to give people sticker shot, right? But we want to say that this is going to cost you some money annually to address this issue, but at the end of the day, your return on investment is going to be tenfold, right? You're going to have more people alive. You're going to have less impact on your other systems that deal with a homicide and a shooting, and you're going to have more revenue from your tax base uh and then also from the folks who are staying alive and getting jobs and working and stuff like that. And then your property value goes up in those neighborhoods. So there's a way for us to think through all of that uh, as we think about what it's gonna cost. Uh, But we try to start with that small number, that one to 2%, that 25 to $45,000 per programming for them, and then start adding those other costs in just to give folks a baseline. And most cities are not even uh, investing about, not even at 10% of what the cost would truly cost them, right? So they're not even there yet. So this number that we're sharing with folks sometimes is big and like, ooh, can we get there? And it's like, it's not just on the city, right? There's a number of people who can help you pay for that. But it is also, you can say to your organizations and to your, your system, we need to reconfigure how we deliver services for this population and who's already working with them. So you can figure the money out. So it ain't like you got to have new money. It's just how do you spend your money is the key piece to this work. So I don't know if that answered the question, but I don't want to get too specific because it's different for each city uh, when no. you start really running through the whole thing.
1: Yeah, no, that, that definitely does. And I think that paints the picture, one, that there's no, you know, one size fits all, like there's no one size fits all approach to it. And this piece that I think people often forget is, How are we thinking about existing dollars and how those are used? Like, to your point, I think people always think about new money. Like, we need to seek new dollars when 60% of it might actually be sitting right in your face, right? Um, So really doing the work to figure that out. So I appreciate that offering. Um, My next question sort of aligns to what you started naming that stands out for you. But particularly as we think about, like, we have folks, of course, in our audience who are new to collaboration and the collective impact approach and folks who've been doing it forever and everybody in between, right? Um, but what as people start to either reimagine how they can be working with city government or just thinking about how it could be more intentional or just like, this is our first shot at attempting to work with city government. What are some, some things that you would recommend to them? Like what should they be thinking about? What might be some of those, uh, initial steps that they take? And you've mentioned things like, of course, being clear about election cycles, sticking to to the stakeholders, you know, understanding really what you named around, like not being accepted in every city. When I think about local cities, or even like for you, what you all are doing, but local initiatives rather, you kind of take on, if you're working right with government or whoever, you sort of take on some of the stigma that comes with it by being a partner, right? Even if that's not you, Um, but what would you say are some things that folks should be thinking about?
2: Yeah, you become the man by default, right? When you work with city government, right? I think, uh, you know, one of the things that I've watched over the years is that folks need to understand clearly what people's roles are inside of city government, right? When you're thinking about elected officials, what's the mayor's role? If you have a city manager, what's their role? What's our council's role, right? Because it's like, if we really want to work with cities and and move cities to a place where they're listening and hearing us. we got to be talking to the right people right Uh, most times we're all mad at a mayor uh for the budget and, and how the resources have been allocated but council has a role to play in that too right so the mayor in a strong city with a strong mayor starts the conversation but then that budget goes over to the council the council then takes time to look at it, make uh, suggestions, edits to move things around. So when we have a conversation, we got to know what our elect- executive branch does, what our legislative branch does. We also got to know how what the state does impact what can happen at the city. Right. So I think part of this is we got to get people got to have a uh, some political education around how their city runs and who moves what. Right. What does our school board do? And how does all of these things impact what we're trying to get done? Because at the end of the day, we've gotta know who we need to have conversations with, who we need to push differently, who we need to make requests to, right? What's our our county attorney doing? What's our city attorney doing? What's our, you know, what's our prosecutors? What's our judges? All of these people impact how we deal with community violence. And if we're not having conversations with all of them, uh, then we're missing opportunities. So, you know, Working with city government, one, making sure you understand who's who and what the roles are. I think, two, going to the table with a strategy and plan is important, but also leaving space for the collaboration to say to the city, okay, how are we going to work in partnership together? What does it look like and how do we move? But I don't think we just go into the city and say, what are you going to do? There's a plan and a strategy that folks can put together and move forward. I also think, you know, uh, working with a city and preparing to work with a city or thinking about working with a city, uh, understanding the departments inside of that city, too, is important, right? Because a lot of work happens at the department level, not even at the mayor's level. And these are folks who are lifers inside the city government who know how to move initiatives and get stuff done, right? So you want to have relationships and partnerships with folks like that. I think. Lastly, I would say is that you never go to the table with a with city or any entity believing they are going to have everything that you need. Right. So, who? What are the other partners who you need to bring to the table, uh, and who else can have some strong convening power, just like the city, to help you uh, convene this table and have that conversation? Right. So, know what you need to know before you go to the city, and, and then also build your relationships and
1: and have a strategy. Everything you mentioned, at least to me, sounds like this is a cyclical thing, right? Like it's not a one and done. Um, because as you mentioned, like people ebb and flow in government. The purpose of departments to some extent can change or be even be eliminated, right? Um, in some instances. So like really kind of keeping your ear to the ground when it comes to that. I'm curious, Anthony, when you talked about sort of the understanding both like who we need to talk to, but also understanding um, what I gathered from it was like structures and processes within government. How do you all support your partners? And I would, you. More specifically, I'm interested in, like, how are you supporting sort of the layperson, right? Like community folks who like my job isn't to understand government. Like, that's not in my realm of everyday life, but I'm engaged in this work now. How do you support people to like. Get better educated around like those structures and things like that.
2: Yeah, you know that's that's something we're leaning more into and thinking about. That's not been at the top. So when you ask lessons learned, one of the lessons learned is that there's not enough uh, uh, political understanding when we hit cities and when we go into places. Uh, so some of the small things that I'm doing and we're doing is when we're in cities, right? So uh, and, it's, and we were in this place in Texas. I don't I don't want to say cities names because I don't want folks to think I'm talking bad about them. And this ain't a bad talking a bad story anyway. But anyway, we were in this city in Texas, and, and the council, not the county, the community, uh, the uh, the county commissioners, and the city council both put out proclamations on the same day, right? And these proclamations were really bold, talking about what they were going to do, how they were going to do it. Uh, and the community organizers came up to me and said, "I," I'm like, "I said, I said, that's good shit." They're like, "Well, no." We've seen this before, I'm like, so cool. So I said, but here's what you do now, right? You have this thing, you have these two documents that these two government entities have put out and said that this is what they proclaim, right? So every time you have a conversation with the council and these county commissioners, you should bring up points from their declaration, from their proclamation, and that should be tied into your strategy. Right. Because there's a way for us to hold people accountable. Right. And like you got to take what they put out and then study it and know it better than they do and say this is what you promised. Right. Because I think part of our struggle is we have we're, we're so apathetic to the work that we forget how to hold people accountable, how to organize, how to come to a table to your question around coordination. It's like not only do I need to know what they said, I got to tell everybody I know. Look at this proclamations. These things tells us this is what our county's committed to. This is, and I know they do proclamations all the time. But they did these proclamations around gun violence and safety. That can be turned into policy if you use it, right? It could be turned into action if you use it, right? But we've got to get better at taking all of those things and then using them to organize and hold people accountable and say this is, we agree with all that you said, so we're gonna take this and put it into a strategy and a plan and move it forward. So I think part of it really is this idea of what political levers do we have to pull and how do we work those and how do we move those? Lastly, I'll say two, right? As part of this is they can't just hear from Anthony all the time. Anthony's gotta have unlikely allies who are not your typical people who talk about this issue. Another city that we were working in they were in the process of making ARPA, uh their, their American Rescue Dollar allocations. And it was around supporting the work around this work on funding uh, the office and getting more dollars on the community. We had relationships with wealthy donors and other folks in the community and the community foundation. We said to them, hey, can you all send letters? One, do you support this? Yeah, we support it. Can you send letters to all of our council members to let them know? that you agree with this allocation. Those council members were surprised to get letters from these folks, but that helped us move the needle, right? So understanding the political landscape and the political levers is key for any kind of work that we're trying to get done, but we just got to get better at knowing who's who. Absolutely. And
1: a lot of your responses, Anthony, keep pointing back to the importance of Relationships right Uh, to your point of having relationships with people who can also then get the message out. So it's not just Anthony at cities United, right? Or it's not just the cities United team, but there are local folks invested in who we have strong enough relationships with to carry those messages. And I love how you're saying use what they're putting out right and, and align that to the work that you're doing and then use it to hold people accountable because if nothing else. It forces government or just like folks in general to be intentional. And thoughtful about what they're putting out and to make sure that they can back up whatever it is because now there's a set of people who are actively paying attention and calling us out right and not calling us out in a bad way but like making sure that we're holding to what we've said we want to do very loudly and prominently right through this proclamation which is so grand i just think proclamations <laughs> is so grand but you know
2: <laughs> i'm just i'm just telling you i agree with what you said so how do we make it work right at the end of the day you said this thing, we agree with it. We want to see it move. Let's get let's get to work, right? Yeah, So
1: absolutely. Well, we're coming towards the end of our conversation. I'm like, I could talk to you for probably two or three hours. <laughs> <laughs> we won't belabor it. But hopefully we can have some offline conversation. But um just curious to know, like four cities united, what sort of next for you all? What are you excited about in your work and how can folks remain connected? Or, you know, if there's some government officials or folks who feel like, hey, we need Cities United's presence in our community, how can they reach out?
2: Yeah, man, I'm excited about a lot of things, right? I'm excited about where the work is nationally and locally as a field, right? This ideal of alternative public safety model, this ideal of community violence intervention, this ideal of we can all come together to co-produce public safety. Is exciting to me in a way that it hasn't been for a while, right? So you know when we have the current administration who is invested in this work, who have created uh, positions to support this work, and have brought in folks from the from the field to help guide it and move that work. Uh, when you see so many cities across the country opening up offices to support this work, you got a number of states who now have statewide offices of community violence and public safety, whatever they call it. Uh, So the excitement is all of that, right? I think when you think about Cities United, right, our excitement really is around, we've been hosting a a Young Leader Fellowship for the last five years, where we take in 18 to 24-year-old young Black leaders from across the country. Uh, Every year we take 15 into a fellowship. They go through eight eight months. Uh, This is our fifth one, you know, so we got 15 young folks who are in it today uh they do trips and meetups but um, the most exciting piece is this is the folks who are going to lead the work right in the next uh for the next leg right they're leading right now in their own cities they're going to be the folks who you're going to be talking to courtney in the next little bit around what Because i mean they're just amazing people so every city i go into or we go into at cities united there's an amazing group of people who care deeply about this issue who shows up every day who's passionate who just want to see people have better outcomes and people have better opportunities? That's every city USA you go into. There's a group of people who are working hard to make this difference. So that's exciting as hell. Uh, I also think, you know, the exciting piece that cities are leaning into this work and really saying, okay, what does it look like for us to reimagine public safety, redefine it, and then reinvest? Even though it's taken longer than I want for cities to move in that direction, they're moving people are having harder conversations. People are forcing, are not forcing the hand or at least pushing people to think differently about that work, so that's exciting. Uh, we are excited to be hosting our 10th annual convening here in Atlanta, uh, October the 25th through the 26th. Folks can go on citiesunited.org and, and download the information about the uh, the upcoming convening. Uh, so this is our tenth one. 10th one. First one was in New Orleans in 2014, and we've just been tracking and moving along. Uh, Excited to be in Atlanta. Uh, Mayors, uh, local elected officials, anybody that's interested in learning more about Cities United or trying to get their city to join can also go to citiesunited.org, and you can see there's a button on there that allows you to put in your information so that you can get more information from us and send us a note and say, hey, we're interested, we wanna learn more. Uh, But the best place to learn more is to come to the convening in October. Because uh, you'll get to see it in action with not just us, but all of our partners. Uh, we're expecting about 600 people to show up. So we would love to have all your listeners come and join us in the great city of Atlanta uh, with Mayor Dickens
1: and his team as we do this work together. Absolutely. And I, I take that as my official invite to the convening. So yes, <laughs> You, you might is. see my face in the place since I am a local to Atlanta. But uh, no, I appreciate that, Anthony, and congrats on 10 years um of the convening and 10 plus years of doing this work with cities um we know it's not easy and so much has changed about the world in 10 years right um, which means so much has to change about our approach to the work but i really appreciate you and your team's commitment to solving gun violence and for sharing, you know, a lot of the lessons that you've learned that I'm sure is going to resonate with our audience. So thank you for your gift of expertise, knowledge, time, talent. Um, And I want to thank our listeners for your continued support of the Collective Impact Forum podcast. Thank you for having me, Courtney.